0: Esteban Ocon has won a Formula One race and George Russell has scored points in the Williams. No, this isn't April Fool's Day. This isn't a joke. I'm being deadly serious. We've just witnessed one of the most surprising Grand Prix I can remember in a very long time. An unbelievable race we've experienced here. <laughs> Yes, welcome back to the Grid Talk Podcast, everybody. This is episode number one hundred and twenty-five, where we'll be reviewing the two thousand and twenty-one Hungarian Grand Prix. Hungaroring Ring has delivered yet again an unbelievable race, first time winner, and we're going to dissect it all here for you guys. I'm your host, George Harrison, and today I'm joined by Phil Matthew of the Grip Strip Podcast. Hello. And Tom Downey of the EF One podcast. Hello. Right, lads, thank you for joining us. So for a change, we're actually not going to go to the winner. We're going to start with the start line crash. Now, we had intermediate conditions. The start, it was drying rapidly, but the, all, the ty- all the drivers started on intermediate tyres, and it was just a chain reaction, really, from Valtteri Bottas outbreaking himself, Tom, and I think in the end, six drivers ended up retiring because of that. Well, no, sorry, five drivers ended up retiring because of that. A quarter of the field...
1: Yeah, I mean, Bottas has played the ultimate wingman here, isn't he? You know, he took out both the <laughs> Red Bulls to give Hampton the best chance. No, I'm not being serious by saying that. But yes, Bottas, oh God, ready to begin. You know, it's a typical Bottas weekend, really. Solid sort of free practice, top the time, sheets on the Friday. quality on the Saturday, just a bit outreaching on Sunday, just, well, implodes, really. He had not a very good launch, well, he had a terrible launch off the line. Understandably so, as obviously we had rain coming in when we least expected it, or you know, without much prior warning. But he just couldn't get off the line. His second phase of the launch just didn't just didn't happen. I noticed on his onboard when he launched, he was steering quite hard to the right. So I don't know if the back was stepping out on him already at that point, even though he would launched in seconds. And then yeah, the McLaren goes past him, Norris goes past him, he's got the Red Bulls alongside him who both moved past him or, or was ahead of him as Verstappen was closing in on Lewis. And then he just gets his breaking point completely wrong. If you look at the on-board of Bottas, as he goes past the 150-metre boards, you can see the gap between him and Lando closing quite rapidly because Lando has braked as what in front has braked. But it's only by the time he gets about the 100-metre marker board that Bottas has actually gone, oh, heck, I better slow down. But by that point, Cold tyres, slippery conditions, it's far too late, couldn't do anything. And as we saw, he smashed into the back of that, that McLaren, which then wiped out. I think that incident took out four cars on its own, three or four cars on its own.
0: Yeah, a lot of drivers involved in that. I mean, you can really launch into turn one of the Hungara ring, but Bottas was taking that way too far. There wasn't a lot of grip around. There was a lot of rain. Those who watched the Formula 3 earlier in the day will have noticed that there was a torrential downpour of rain. All the grip would have just gone. That track would have been very, very slippery indeed with the rain around as well. But yeah, Valtteri Bottas getting his drive his breaking point completely wrong, taking out Lando Norris, which is very sad for him. He started in sixth place. His streak of being the only guy score points in every race is now over, sadly. Um, And also caught up in that incident, Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, and Lance Stroll, and as well, Max Verstappen got some damage. He continued, but he had massive damage to the side of his car. The red flags came out and, he had to wait about half an hour to get the action going again with just 15 cars. But me me and Tom were mentioning uh before you joined the session, I think, Phil, that Lance Stroll as well hasn't covered himself in much glory from this one.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's Lance Stroll. You kind <laughs> of figure that. The when we get into the actual main part of this race and what his um, of course, much more heralded and well renowned teammate did today and could have possibly done today, you know, Land Stroll, that's the same thing that happened at Baku and a similar result happened for the Aston Martin team on the other side of the garage. You know, it's, it's not that it's unex, unexpected, you know, you kind of, for me, I, I have, I hold him at a very, I don't hold him at a very high level anyway, but you know, right now, you look at where he is in the driver's standings, he's only two points ahead of Yuki Sonoda, and he's and Yuki Sonoda's had a night a mayor of a year and until you know last this race here and maybe a couple others. But you consider where he is, he's 30 points behind his teammate right now. And that's of course two second place finishes. When you look at the whole entire third place battle in the drivers championship was taken out in that wreck. I mean, it's a sad deal how it happened and what happened. It's a part of racing. Tom, you know, tongue in cheek going and saying the wingman role and basically doing a bowling ball, a level uh, finish right through and leaving a nice split and taking out Red Bull. So in making all the orange idiots um, lose their minds. And then all the people who love Sergio Perez freak out to all 12 of them. You know, like it, it was a bad day for them to... In general i mean for lance stroll it's whatever i it's a good thing they have a good driver in the other car or else they'd have a real problem in regards to scoring points but for red bull i think we'll get into it in more detail for mclaren it was a brutal day too you know Charles Leclerc has no luck either i mean it's scary how he gets involved in things or things happen to him you know and then lando losing that point streak as you said only point scorer all year, 15 race point scoring streak, best ever for a McLaren driver to lose that was a bummer because I think that was definitely, they had a car, if he had made it through that wreck, he could have possibly won that Grand Prix and he definitely could have gotten a podium. And so it's unfortunate for them and Leclerc and, you know, for Verstappen being collateral damage there. Um, It took until basically the end of the race and we'll get into that more, but I mean, it's slant Stroll. What are you going to say? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean about uh, about Leclerc. Yeah, he seems to have no luck when it comes to accidents. I, mean, I still remember that. I was at that race in 2018 in Belgium when he, you know, the halo, frankly, it saved his life. You know, if that wasn't there, it could have been a very, very scary accident. But yeah, I mean, that o- the crash really opened, because it was at the front of the grid, it really opened up th- the guys behind. I mean, Norris, Bottas, Perez, Leclerc, you expect them all to be up there. They were all up there on the grid and it opened it up no end. Uh, Verstappen survived but he had his damage and Lewis Hamilton at the restart was the only guy to start on the grid you'd think it was fake that it, w- it wasn't a real image that it was photoshopped but no Hamilton was the one guy to actually start on the grid from the start everybody else because the track was drying everybody else on the grid they all went in for dry tyres into the pits they all started from the pit lane and that opened up things up no end for Esteban Ocon our race winner Tom and you know, we've been criticizing him since he signed his contract extension with Alpine. I think Phil said that he's been in hibernation because he was, quite frankly, he had a better weekend in Britain, but nobody ever would have predicted this. And it wasn't easy for him. Sebastian Vettel was on his tail for the whole race and he didn't put a real wrong. Yeah, I, I've been fairly critical
1: of Ocon ever since he signed his contract because he was soddlowed that he was a I think I said at the time, he was a French driver for a French team at the the French race when he'd had his contract signed and he seemed to be downhill from there. But what a performance. I mean, you you could argue that perhaps he lucked into that position because he started eighth and obviously there was a lot of carnage ahead of him. But you take the hand that you were dealt in life and he he was dealt a first position. And to hold off... Vettel behind him for the entire race. Let's not forget Vettel is a four time world champion who, you know, who when he was in his prime, you know, granted 10 years ago, was the best driver on the grid. You know, he, you know, he was putting in performance after performance. He had Vettel had been in many positions like this before where he's been chasing a lead. But anytime it looked like Vettel was going to get past him with DRS, with fresh tyres, with a different line, Ocon was just able to just move his car into a position keep enough of a gap just hold him back and just just effectively force Vettel to burn up his tires and it was just it was just a perfect drive from, from from Ocon in this position i mean if if you'd have told him going into this weekend that that he was going to win this race you know you know most people would have probably laughed but yeah really really well done to Ocon
0: fantastic race yeah unbelievable and it's fully deserved and if you'd have told me that Fernando Alonso was in that car the number 31 I'd believe you because I think it I think Alonso's probably taught Ocon a few things and uh, he's probably picked him up and I mean Alonso himself had an amazing race today we'll get into him but yeah Ocon just it's just I just can't believe it it just doesn't seem right no he had a second place last year but Again, you could say looked into but this he really, really had to work for.
1: And just just one other thing to add to what I was saying as well is Ocon is, I believe he's a year younger than me, and I'm twenty-six. The Mm. drive that he put in today was not the kind of drive you'd expect from a relatively young driver. Let's not forget he had a year out the year before last as well. Mm. And then last year he was very much sort of getting re re readapted, if you like, with with Formula One. So he he put in a drive today very much past his years. And, and like you just said, George, if, if you'd have told us that was Alonso in that car, we, we would have believed it. We wouldn't have known any different. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's I believe it's the first time a French driver has won a Formula One race in a French car powered by a French engine since Alain Prost nearly 40 years ago. In 1983, that would have been. Yeah, I just can't wax the record off about Ocon. I mean, Phil, I mean, I'll let you have a word about Ocon as well. It's... Hungary is a track that allows first-time winners. We've seen it before. It's not, nothing new, but we all thought it could have been maybe Norris
2: or Sines. We never, ever would have predicted Ocon. Yeah, it's it's something that, based on what we've seen for a while this year, didn't seem possible. Just like Tom, I've been very critical of Ocon, especially after the, the signing, because Pierre Gasly's out there. And I figured if you're gonna sign somebody who's proven they can win a Grand Prix and do all the well, now he's won a Grand Prix. And he held off a four-time world champion with 53 Grand Prix wins and all the other accolades that Sebastian Vettel has. It was a and his first win in a single seater, I mean, six years, more than six years. So I mean it's been a long time for him, a lot of pain driving in back marker cars. And he drove for the team that he beat today you know, like there there's, it's been hard work. Even Mercedes jr. He's a good drive. He's been a good driver and he's had the talent and skill and to go and come through in this spot is a big deal for him. It's a big deal for the end team as well to get this win at Hungary. I mean, of course, Fernando Alonso got his first Grand Prix win there and the same team, you know, like there's There's other people, other things over the years, how this team has done well. And he mentioned that in his radio, post-race radio conversation there after winning driver of the day. I mean, it's a huge deal. It's uh, generally unexpected, but credit to him doing what he had to do. Unlike Stroll, unlike some of these other guys, he avoided that incident He made the right moves. He also made the right, him and his team made the right decision on tires and basically dictated the race from there for the rest of the day. And it was literally from that point, a battle between him and Sebastian Vettel for what amounted for 65 laps. And Esteban Ocon stood tall and came through with a massive victory, not only for himself, but for Alpine, for the. Endstone team for France, all these different things and sends himself into the summer break with uh, the amount of momentum and just the sheer jolt of energy that, I mean, it doesn't really matter what he does the rest of the year. I mean, you're not going to top that really, but credit to him, credit to that team, Alan Permain, who's been there forever. I remember Alan Permain from when I first started watching Formula One and that was 20-something years ago, and he's still there. So credit to him, credit to that organization. Revio, coming from Yamaha, MotoGP, getting his first Grand Prix win as a team principal, Formula One, uh, big deal for them in general, and credit to Ocon for a great performance.
0: Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's a real day of first. I mean, it's Alpine's first Formula One win. It's the first podium, I think, as well. It's Renault's first win since coming back. It's the first one for, for the Enstone team since Kimi Räikkönen in 2013, Australia. I think it was. And, and yeah, like like both of you said, you know, we we all thought and I thought that Gasly was a shoe-in to replace Ocon. I thought, right, they've got Alonso, they're gonna bring, you know, Gasly in. That's a really good solid partnership, Ocon, he's all right he's nothing that he's he's not that special, but he's proved a lot of people, including a lot of our panelists, wrong a lot of the critics have been wrong it it's just it, it is, you know in a way it's just come out of nowhere and it's fully deserved. he was not lucky. he kept his nose clean at the start like a lot of people didn't. He made the right call to go he was the first guy to go in the pits, he was second of the restart he was the first guy to go in the pits. he took that deep dive and it paid off so my hat's off to him. Superb. <laughs> Absolutely superb. And, let, and let's not belittle what Sebastian Vettel has done either today, Tom. He's, he's matched his best result this season. He's matched Aston Martin's best result in Formula 1. He's got a second place. He hounded Ocon for the win. He couldn't quite get past him, but, you know, it's still a very good day for Aston Martin it's a very good day for the one side of the Aston Martin garage a very bad day for the other <laughs> it's one side
1: yeah, yeah it's, a, yeah, it's, it's a very much a day of contrasting emotions perhaps for Aston but for for Vettel certainly yeah brilliant day at the office Again, took the hand that, that he was dealt kept his nose clean when he needed to and did his best to try and get past Arkon ultimately couldn't quite make it stick dare I say it, if we'd have been at a different track say for example if this would have been perhaps Austria we'd have probably seen a different result if you think about the circuit there, with you know with all those DRS zones and everything, but um, but yeah, but Vettel, great to great to hold up second place, and he can probably thank Alonso a bit as well for keeping Hamilton back as long as he did, because otherwise I strongly suspect Hamilton would have been practically able to taste Vettel's gearbox a few, a few laps earlier. But um, but 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 yeah, again Vettel, you know. Almost a sort of what's the best way to describe it? I would say a, a sort of like vintage Vettel performance, if you'd like. You know, he's um just pulled it out of the bag when it's needed doing, when he's been a bit further down the grid, and a good result in a car that was not looking that
0: strong this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Aston Martin they they, they looked about where they normally should be in qualifying, it was nothing too special, but yeah, great day, great, great day for Vettel, his second podium for Aston Martin. And all that, all of that, this has really shook up the Constructors' Championship. It shook up the Drivers' Championship, too. But because of all that, Alpine have actually gone into fifth. They're ahead of Alpha Tauri and they're ahead of Aston Martin. Aston Martin stays sixth. They leapfrog Alpha Tauri. And Alpha Tauri are going to be a massive disappointment. I mean, yeah, they did get a res- This would normally be a great result for them. But a team that we thought maybe could have been challenging for fourth this year, they're down in seventh again. But it is tight in that battle. It's just 12 points between them and Alpine in in, in fifth. So anything can change. Anything can change there. And completing the podium, a guy who was no stranger to podiums at all, a pole sitter, Phil Lewis Hamilton. Now, he was down at the back after his pit stop. And he recovered very well, I feel. He drove the wheels off that Mercedes at the time and only finished less than three seconds off the lead. So I think, in the circumstances with everything that happened, I think he more than, you know,
2: he'll more than take that. Yeah. In the grand scheme, we talked about it offline uh, before the show started, uh, Jordan. It's for where they were and what, where they started this weekend to go and get, you know, pole 101 for Lewis. To get the start that he did um, while his teammate had his kind of start, um, hold the lead and be in a position to possibly dictate the race from whatever that decision was, and to go and come from tailback to third, we'll get into, Tom will get to talk about the guy that probably dictated the final result more than anybody else other than Ocon, really, Lewis had pace but it took a long time to get said pace once he was behind the alpine struggled behind the alpine of gasly then he the undercut allowed him to get past uh, max Verstappen and daniel ricardo which basically set his race off and he was able to kind of make make hay from there alonzo that battle was everything Uh, Because after he passed Alonso, he was able to catch up to signs in very quick order. And then I think also Kimi Räikkönen being in the way because he's Kimi Räikkönen also may have played a role in that too. And that those things probably affected what could have been win number 100 for Lewis. But in turn, I think Mercedes themselves did their usual, you know, junk step. And put themselves in a position that they didn't need to. But to be bringing on a positive side, they have a driver's championship lead. That two races ago, there were 32 points behind Max Verstappen. Whatever you want to think about the incident at at Silverstone, you can think, and it's whatever to me at this point because Karen Horner and all of them have been still whining about it. Max Verstappen, whatever all his stupid idiot fans, just like Kyle Busch fans, they're LCD. So. The fact of the matter is they go from 32 points back to 10 points up in the driver's championship or six points up in the drivers. They were 40, nearly 50 points out in the dr- uh, constructors. And now they're 10 points up going to the summer break. So in that sense for as bad as Mercedes has managed recent races and the car has been at times, they have found pace. They've put themselves in a position to where they have an opportunity to get an eighth World Drivers' Championship for Lewis Hamilton, to get another consecutive Constructors' Championship against a Red Bull team that's kind of in a bit of bother right now, not only because of power unit situation, a lot of damage recently, Sergio Perez kind of uh, basically struggling. Uh, But yeah, the positive is Lewis Hamilton got third after being tailback, gets a points, Drivers' Championship points lead, constructors lead back from Mercedes but I'm sure they wanted more out of this deal um after starting on pole
0: yeah and it was one two as well because Bottas was uh, alongside Hamilton at the start on the front row um, I'm sure they would have wanted more but I think again in the circumstances you know they've got Hamilton instantly the, the driver's championship for the first time since I don't even know, probably Monaco or something like that. It's been a long time. Again, they're leading the constructors as well. After Austria, it was looking like, right, Red Bull are going to walk away with this. they got the fastest car. Nothing can stop Max Verstappen. But two crashes, one at Silverstone and from the incident here as well. We've got the damage. It really dented him. Uh, we'll get into Verstappen as well. He did finish the race, but nowhere near as highly as what he normally would have done. And it's six points still. It's in the drivers championship it's not a massive lead but the fact that Hamilton has it now is really a statement of how things have changed yeah we'll get back into the order now so like Phil mentioned fourth place today was Carlos Sainz Tom and it was a fantastic drive by him in his Ferrari he was he was going against Ferrari's famous bad strategy you know he was saying no we need to stay out we've got pace we can do this and he did it he did a fantastic job and he held off his his idol at the end for fourth place
1: yeah, it was it, it was a good race from for times. You know, again, perhaps like some of the drivers ahead of him, he got a little bit lucky with you know, obviously people retiring and accidents and people falling down the pecking order and what have you. But let's not forget, he was running third for a decent chunk of this race in a Ferrari, which is still inherently not a brilliant car because obviously there's still a lot of sort of tail ultra like leftovers from the infamously bad car of last year. And and they spent, I think they, I think they spent all their tokens on the rear of the, of the car, sort of getting that, getting that sorted. But yeah, signs Science did really well. I believe he was on one stop fewer. Yes. Yeah. He was on one stop fewer than Hamilton. So he was never really going to hold up Hamilton too much at the end because signs was on very, very old hard tires and Hamilton was on relatively fresh medium tires. But I, I I think fourth, good result for Science, really, really good result for Science, good recovery, good points for Ferrari, especially with the obviously getting punted by Stroll at the start. If I just look at it, yeah, fourth. Yeah, he was um yeah, he finished in the end six tenths ahead of, of Alonso. Yeah, it was a good, solid performance by Science. You could hear how disappointed he was as well on team radio to not finish on the podium, which I really get, and that show was the racer in him. But he should not be too disheartened by that. He should be really pleased with the performance he's put in today.
0: Absolutely, yeah. he did a fantastic job. You know, we spoke about how drivers that have moved teams struggled at the start of the season. Carlos Sainz was the one guy who slotted into that Ferrari like he, you know, he'd been there for years. You know, and now he's level on points for Charles Leclerc. I mean, thanks to Charles Leclerc's retirement, of course, but. More importantly for for Ferrari, they're only three points behind McLaren because McLaren had an awful weekend, a non-score for McLaren this weekend. First time this season, first time that Lando Norris has not scored either this season, of course, too. So, yeah, incredible stat as well. I think Phil said it about Norris being the longest point streak for any McLaren driver ever. And you think about some of the, the champions, some of the greatest drivers ever that they've had. And Norris has blown them. Yes, because of... Because of the uh, the points, uh, sorry, because of the reliability now that you get with these um, uh, get these modern cars, but still, it's it's an incredible feat by him. Incredible too as well today. Phil was Fernando Alonso fifth place. Uh, he's not. He's you know people say that Kimi Räikkönen's too old. He can't compete. He's in his forties. Well, Alonso's proved that you can compete in your forties in modern Formula One and the defensive display that he put up against lewis hamilton was just mesmeric just using every bit of experience that he had had it was brilliant to watch
2: yeah it's the there there's a reason why he is well renowned all over the world in whatever he has driven it's something that would you have thought years ago when he was whining fernando alonso crying about the team and crying about this and calling Honda's engine, a GP two engine and all that stuff. You'd have never thought that we'd be back to seeing, you know, Fernando Alonso doing Fernando Alonso kind of things and running top five and being a consistent top five. It it's last few races here have been, it took them about a couple months really to get resettled in, into formula one. But once you, I think it was really Monaco or I think it was after Spain. So it was Monaco and since then he's kind of gotten back into the groove and looked like Fernando Alonso again and this performance, his defense was, was outstanding. I mean, there was, it kind of got edgy a couple of times, but the fact of the matter is Fernando Alonso didn't do anything that could be construed as like super dangerous. He didn't do anything that was, you know, really out of order. He was, yes, he was moving around a little bit. I mean, sure. I think fundamentally, we I mentioned it before with Lewis, he had a move on him, and because of Raikkonen coming out of the pits, that was the move. If he makes that move there, we're having a totally different conversation about this race. But that one instance right there allowed Alonzo to, again, dictate pacing because literally after you get out of turn once you get past turn four you can't pass for the rest of the lap. And he he just stelled off Lewis Hamilton. And that fundamentally was the race. And it shows that he's engaged. It's been a question about, you know, Fernando Alonso for many years. Oh, is he really invested? Does he care? No, he does care. And he does enjoy being with this team. He does like his teammate. There's a lot of positive energy. And I think he's looking forward to uh whatever's gonna come the rest of this season, but more forward to 2022, because I think he's looking at the it's a different Fernando Alonso, more humble, more mellow Fernando Alonso. And now that he knows that he's at the twilight of his Formula One career, he's enjoying things a lot more. And I think they're gonna be a sneaky uh team next year with the new regulations. Because now you have a young gun who's finally won a, who's won his first Grand Prix. You have a motivated veteran, legendary driver who wants to go back and win a race again. A team that's motivated. So it all comes from a great day. One of the best days that this team has had in a very long time. And Fernando Alonso did his job today in defense, really. But also gave himself a chance at a possible um, podium for a while there, too racing uh his young protege of sorts and carlos signs they're late but credit to fernando alonso he ha- he played as much of a role in his 40th birthday weekend as anybody in regards to the final result of uh this grand prix
0: yeah some people might say his defense was over the line but i didn't see that i thought it was just absolutely perfect he was absolutely real perfect and much much of Hamilton's. uh annoyance you know he just he was always going to was always going to put up a really big defense against him and he did and it was again it was great to see and he could have got signs at the end for fourth as well but not quite in the end he just couldn't quite pass it but there we go very good weekend for Alonso then uh, you know solid points as always I think that's about six or seven point uh races in a row he scored uh I went for Alonso for my ball prediction for top five I was half right I mean, also went for him for fastest lap but that went to Pierre Gasly Tom who finished in 6th place and I think all things considered it was a very good weekend for him he qualified in 5th he had to battle through really to get up to 6th in the end yes his teammate let him go but he was much faster so I think another good weekend for Gasly Yeah Gasly
1: you know, aside from the top 2 and Norris has been my driver of the season much like he was last year because he's been uber consistent in that Alpha Tauri. You know, he's constantly putting in good results. And this weekend, just another example of just how good a result he can put in, especially when the odds are stacked against him. Because mm. let's not forget that after the restart, he was, I believe he was out of the points because he was, was backing with Verstappen. I know Verstappen was 13th at the restart. So so for... um. For, for Dazzy to work his way up through the field, yes, Yuki did let him pass, but but they are both racing for the same team, so you know, so so team orders do come into play somewhat there, and it was it was a, it was the right thing to do, even if Sunoda, um, you know, perhaps got perhaps got, got a little chopsy, as we say in Wales on the, on the radio afterwards, but um, but yeah, again, Dazzy top six, it's it's almost funny because he's been putting in these top six performances when we've had two mercs and a red bull and a mclaren ahead of him and 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 the one time that we don't that we've lost effectively lost both the red bulls and one of the mercs he's still p6 and then he's got you know he's got an aston and Alpine and stuff ahead of him but yeah Dazzy, fantastic result you know just keeps keeps adding to that cv of his and it makes you wonder how much longer he'll be there before he has a before he has an offer or at least
0: some serious conversations with a team higher up the grid about a potential seat. Yeah. It's only a matter of time really, isn't it? Someone's got to take a punt on him eventually. Yeah. Great result for Gasly again. And like the ultimate professional I am, I missed fifth place for our five-star review. So I'll say it now. So if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, you get to have a shout out at the start of the show. I will shout out your name or Ruby will shout out your name, depending on who the next host is. So yeah, we're getting a lot of good reviews on there, of course. And it's been wonderful to see, really, you know, us climbing the charts. It's fantastic. So, and yeah, we'll get on to seventh place. Yuki Tsunoda, uh, again, a solid day for him. You know, he, he, not many people saw it coming. I think he started down in 16th as well. So it's a hell of a drive, really, Phil for, for him to get him there. And I can't remember if it was, uh, whether it was Steve or Tom on the, on the qualifying show that said, oh, yeah, maybe he needs,
2: another." you know, it would have been better for another year in F2. But he does have pace. He just needs to do this more consistently. Or he needs to have a quarter of the field get wrecked out on the first lap. And that then always happens. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that also can play a role in that. He kind of was in a no-man's land. The Williams cars being up there kind of affected his race. He wasn't really able to do anything initially once the restart happened and then in turn had to go and give way to Gasly, which was the right decision. Getting a seventh-place finish, good points for him getting a lot of experience, Um, you know, I mean, yes, in F2, they run most of the circuits they run in F1, but not everyone, but you know that, yeah, probably you need another year in F2, but it's Red Bull. So what do you expect? I think in turn, this experience will help him as he goes into 2022 building his confidence at times. He's going to have hit or miss days. He is basically the Takuma Sato 2.0. He's going to have great days. He's going to be very aggressive and then there's gonna be other times where you're just gonna wonder what is wrong with this guy? Why is he doing what he's doing? But he's always gonna go at 10 tenths. He doesn't know any different. He's very aggressive. It speaks to, you know, the you know, the the culture with driving, I think, especially for the big time drivers. But in the end, for Alpha the way things are in this constructors championship and in general, to get a seventh place finish is solid. You're only two points behind aston martin you're 11 points behind alpine and that's after alpine had an epic you know one four today you know like the the reality is that that constructors championship fifth the constructors championship they came in fifth they lost two spots but in the grand scheme of things they have a good car after you get past the four top four teams right now theoretically the Al- the alpha tori is the fifth best car at a lot of these circuits and i think that'll come through um once the summer break uh passes and we'll get to those racetracks i think we'll see the alpha tories up there and maybe yuki Sonoda making progress uh further towards the front and maybe even giving pierre gasly a run for his money
0: yeah you never know experience will only help him and i hope he's going to get more solid points finishes if Alpha Tauri can get Sonoda to score points regularly. They should be you know, pretty comfortable for fifth. But so far, uh, Gasly has just carried that team relatively when you look at the points tally. It's 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 a bit. It's not good reading for Sonoda, but he is young, he is a rookie, so you have to give him time. But Red Bull aren't famed for doing that. Saying that though, Alpha Tauri did have a lot better today, day today than Red Bull. Uh, so, yeah. And another team that had a very, very, very good day was williams tom oh yes. and surprisingly it was nicholas latifi that finished ahead of george russell uh eighth for nicholas latifi nine for george russell today they've got points it's happened and it's catapulted and them up to eighth in the constructors championship this is a huge huge weekend for them
1: yes it's finally happened at the one race where we probably said, of all the races, it's not going to happen because of what the circuit is like. Oh, isn't life a funny thing? But well done, Williams. Finally, they've got eight points. And not just a point, but Russell in ninth with two points, Latifi in eighth with four points. That is a good... I, I mean, you know, it might not sound it, but that is a good haul for them given the struggles they've had over the past few years. Let's not forget, their last point was... Scored by Kubica in 2019 at the German Grand Prix, and he—I say only got that. I'm not taking anything away from it, but he got that tenth place because Hamilton got a, a time penalty, which not was or a grid penalty, which knocked him back down to eleventh. That was the last time that they scored a point, and then before that, I think it was possibly Lance Stroll at Imler, uh, not Imola, Monza in 2018. That goes to show how long this rebuilding process for Williams has been. I mean, we could argue that it has been coming for for a little while. Obviously, with Russell having some very, very good Q3 appearances, getting very close. And also, both of the cars were out in Q1 as well. And this is the first time that Russell has been out in Q1 this year, which speaks volumes in itself. But Latifi did really well. Didn't put up too much of a fight when he was running third. I mean, whoever thought we'd be saying Latifi was running third. But there we are 2020 is a gift that keeps on giving and i know we're in 2021 but let's be fair it's just an extension of last year isn't it but yeah latifi you know he 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 did as well as he could in that car and then George russell as well obviously the two of them both just drove really well secured the points for the team they drove a team
0: race and yeah brilliant day for them yeah it's yeah you just never would have seen it coming especially after qualifying russell like you said First time this season that he's not been in Q two, and he was out in Q one. They lined up eighteenth and seventeenth on the grid. They finished eighth and ninth. Russell, it did look a little bit like he had a problem early on, but it wasn't. It was just because he uh, he was actually in second place behind Hamilton. He would have took over the lead of the race, but some pit lane shenanigans or something like that. He had to you know he had to give places back which was sad for him. But yeah, Nicholas TV for a while was actually running in a podium position in a Williams. It's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, Phil, this is, this is massive for Williams. Like we've said, I mean, this is a new era for Williams and under no longer under the Williams family ownership. They're under Doralton capital. You know, this, this is really what they needed going into
2: 2022. Yeah. It's a huge momentum boost for them. We don't really know what their driver situation is. Theoretically, I I mean, For all intents and purposes, Nicholas Latifi will be one of the drivers because his dad has a piece of the organization for Russell to finally score points in a Williams, as I predicted on the preview show, I'm taking over for George after years of of doing it. So it just meant that George had to stop picking and I had to pick him, which means I will continue to pick him and he probably won't score the rest of the year. Oh, no, no, don't say that. you got a hundred percent record, Phil. You got
0: to keep it going.
2: Well, well, I don't think it's going to happen at Spa, um, but the fact of the matter is um, George scoring uh, good on him for trying a little something to try to get out and get an advantage out of pit road, but didn't work out. The fact that he was willing to go and play a teammate role and willing to hope that Latifi could actually hold onto a podium place or whatever by pitting was really cool. You know, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of camaraderie and teamwork will exist when he's in a silver and black car of a certain kind, of a certain manufacturer soon enough. But until then, we'll talk about him and driving for Doritos and all that and that team and getting all those points, jumping past Alpha Slobber and jumping past Putin Haas puts them in great place in regards to the money that they will be able to get because I have a hard time believing Alfa Romeo is going to score the rest of this year. Definitely don't think that the Putin will score, even though their lead driver today, after having a nightmare FP three recovered and raced the, what was the championship leader, very hard reminding me of a certain guy that he shares a surname with, you know, that was pretty cool. And it reminded me of some old times there just as they announced the a documentary for his father. So, um we'll talk about that later, but yeah, great for Williams as their new entity what they are moving towards 2022 Capito and that whole group. It seems like momentum is is building. They're making progress. It's a good thing to see to see Williams cuz usually a lot of old teams that were successful back in the day, they go fall by the wayside or they struggle and they basically fall off the grid. Or get out of racing that's happened all over motorsport but in william's case the name exists still the possibility of success again is there it'll be with um, a new driver lineup probably next year but until then hopefully george can continue building up and maybe get another result um here as we go along later in the second half of the year
0: yeah, I mean, he's broke, his ducked, hasn't he? He's finally got points, as has Nicholas TV as well. Let's not belittle Nicholas TV. did a fantastic job today. Run very well, I didn't really make any mistakes from what I saw. And yeah, I mean, you could have said maybe he should have fought a bit harder, but he can pass in Hungary, as, we've, as we obviously saw. We saw plenty of overtakes today. So yeah, six points for Williams, they're up to eight for the Constructors. That's, that's just what they needed. They needed that momentum, they needed those points and they've got them. Yeah, great for Williams, but it dismal day for Red Bull. A dismal day for Max Verstappen, Tom. But you can't really blame the guy. He, dro- he drove as well as he could. Just a, dam- a massive damage on the side of his car, just really limited the pace of that Red Bull. But he does get a point. It could be very important come the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, you really can't blame Verstappen for his performance today because he was taken out indirectly by the other Mercedes, which was an accident. It was, you're granted, it was a stupid accident, but it was an accident. And I was fearful that he was even going to get back out on the track at all. I was really concerned that Verstappen was going to retire. But at the start, we saw, you know, like I mentioned earlier, he had a good launch. He was was getting pretty close to Hamilton, but he was keeping it clean. And we've all seen how good Verstappen is in the wet if we look at Brazil 2016, for example. And yeah, just a... It was, I think, for Red Bull today, especially with Verstappen, it was a case of damage limitation. You know, he was struggling to get past Schumacher because his car, I believe they said he was missing his entire right side pod when he came back in um, and then when the red flag happened. And he still had major floor damage. You know, just that his car was just chewed to bits. And obviously, Hungary being fairly aerodynamically dependent anyway, was never going to do him any favours. Getting a point is better than nothing. Um, and also, it must help a bit having their sister team take the fastest lap away from Mercedes as well. So all these things could add up. But yeah, Verstappen, he he, he did as well as he could do, but he was he was never going to sort of like sail back up through the grid, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to have seen it.
0: Yeah, it was always going to be difficult for me. In the end, he couldn't even overtake the Williams, which normally he'd breeze past, no worries at all. No disrespect to Williams, but there's a massive difference between them and the red bulls normally. But yeah, the point for max Verstappen it could have been worse. Hamilton doesn't get the fastest lap point so that's, that's twice in a row that Red Bull have effectively taken that off Hamilton in the closing stages so yeah, there we go. 11th and 14th place to date were the Alpha Romeo's fill we you know it, it was a it was a big opportunity this weekend for teams that don't normally score points to score big points like Alpine, like Williams but Alpha Romeo today we just they were just nowhere. Both drivers had penalties, and they weren't fast anyway. So, I mean, it's just it's just not very good for them. And of course, they're down to ninth in the constructors now as well. They're behind Williams.
2: Yeah, it was a, a poor, underwhelming performance from the Alpha Slauber team. But the fact of the matter is, it's kind of expected. It's a shame when you consider you lose more than a quarter of the grid um, within. Five laps of the race, and you couldn't even sniff a point. Giovanazzi tried to go out on slicks at the start. It was a wrong move. Then he sped through the pit roads, so and then he got a penalty. You had Kimi Raikkonen, you know, he, I forget where or what he did, and he ended up getting a 10 second stop go penalty. And then on top of that, when they changed whatever strategy they were on to instead of finishing 14th, finish 12th or whatever, came out in the way of the Hamilton-Alonso battle too, uh, which in turn probably affected the final result. So credit to them for just being in the way. And you know Kimi Räikkönen running out the string, running out his, uh, I mean, even though he has a piece of the team, which I think is the only reason why he's still driving, because his driving and his focus is not really there anymore. It's akin to what he was doing when he was driving a rally car, really when he would wreck most of the time so it'll we'll see what happens uh you know spa and, and monza they're more that that team they run low down force. they run more for top speed so maybe those racetracks might suit them a little better maybe they can come back and sneak a point but i doubt it i guess we'll see what happens with them but to be determined wasn't a great day for them today though
0: yeah really bad day a pointless day and yeah, it's hard to see them really getting because they effectively need to get five points to overtake Williams at this point. It's, it's a big, big ass with that car. That car is not fast. But yeah, so bad for Alfa Romeo, bad for Daniel Ricciardo as well, Tom. I mean, some people are thinking maybe he'll sneak a podium, maybe maybe he could even win like in 2014. This is a track that normally suits him, but for one reason or another, he finished 12 out of 14 runners in the third fastest car. It's very bad reason. And it's very bad for McLaren as well, who you know, fall closest to Ferrari now.
1: Yeah. This, especially with, with all the retirements that went on today, Danny Rick really should have been ahead of the Alfa Romeo, Kimi, should have been ahead of a arguably, and should have been ahead of the Williams, realistically. Um, especially with Lando retiring, he really needed to pick up some points. Even if it was just a handful of points, he really, really needed to pick up some points to boost McLaren's um, chances of of sort of holding P3 in the constructors. Because if you look at sort of the points that Ferrari Ferrari got, yes, his damage limitation a bit, because obviously the car didn't finish. But McLaren have walked away with nothing this weekend, effectively. Well, worse than that, they've walked away with a big repair bill for Lando's car, which wasn't his fault. And they've walked away with an elder driver, who was supposed to come in and set the world on fire, but has been a damp squib. And we're now, we're halfway through the season, give or take. We're about to go into the summer break. We're 11 out of 23 races in. Obviously, 23 are subject to discussion at the moment, thanks to COVID. But today... Like I said, McLaren needed someone to pick up points. If that would have been signs in that other McLaren, for a start, he probably would not have qualified P12. He'd have probably qualified about P7, P6. He'd have been right there with Lando if you look at how close they were last year. I mean, it's hard to say exactly because obviously Lando has stepped up so much this year. But if we, you know, from what history has told us over the past two years when those two were teammates, McLaren would have still had an all right chunk of points this weekend, even if they would have lost one car. But Daniel Ricardo, hopefully he can figure something out over the over the three week break we got coming up. You know, hopefully he can I don't know if he's gonna do simulator work or or what, but he needs to get comfortable in that McLaren because their patience is going to be very, very slowly wearing thin. And the other thing we've got to factor in is if there's no room at Mercedes for George Russell, McLaren is a Mercedes power car. There could be some influence there.
0: It's a very good point. It's a very good point. And when you've got people like Pierre Gasly as well doing great guns and trying to desperately get out of the Alpha Tower, That's why would he not consider well. it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very good point, George.
0: Yeah. So it, it's 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 really bad reading for Daniel Ricciardo. I love the guy as a person, as a driver. I really do. He, he seems to... I can't remember who said it, but it's a hot or cold, you know, he's a hot or cold driver. I think it might have been Phil who said it actually. You know, he's a hot or cold driver, he's a form driver, he seems to do well one weekend, he did well at Silverstone, he was on, he was one place behind Lando Norris. And then he goes and finishes out of the points. He finishes 12 out of 14 finishing drivers in in the McLaren, where Williams scored points, Ocon won the race. You know, Ricardo should have been well up there. He avoided the accident, he did the hard part. But for it just seemed to slip down and just couldn't couldn't get past the Williams and yeah there he was twelfth um, shocking really but you know you, you got to give the guy time at the end of the day but how much time do you give him He's in his thirties He's been in Formula One for ten years now He's an experienced guy He's really got to perform at Spa and Monza and um, Zandvoort as well which are all coming up in a triple header uh, once the season's uh, summer break ends but yeah well. We'll get on to the last finisher that we've not mentioned today. Mick Schumacher, Phil, like you said, he had a great battle with Max Verstappen. Maybe he went a little bit over the line, but still he was running in the points for a little while in the Haas. He he just did everything he could. He hung it out there as long as he could on a set of medium ties. I think he was probably hoping for a safety car, but it never came. And yeah, unlucky 13 for him, but he did everything he could.
2: Best finish, I think, for him so far. Granted, you needed to lose all those people out of the race, but Mick showed why he's an F2 champion. He showed why he's in Grand Prix in Formula One right now. He kind of showed the moxie and guile and all the other things that, you know, his dad had. And the fact of the matter is his car is a piece of garbage and he was able to hold off a damaged Red Bull for a while. He was able to hold off theoretically the best driver on the grid, you know, arguably for many laps, he held off a bunch of cars there. And, and for a while, I mean, he was ahead of the Alfa Romeos too. I mean, so for that team and for where they are, I mean, Alfa Romeo, of course they had a horrible day. They affected Egghead. Um, That might be the first time Egghead's actually not been out of fault for an incident. Because they were, oh, it was the unsafe release. There you go. That's now I reminded myself why Kimi Raikkonen got his man. So unsafe release on that pit stop on the start, the restart. And he hit Egghead and ended his day. But that would have meant he would have finished last. So that's whatever. He didn't finish last today. So, I mean, he wasn't going to finish last today. So the fact that Mick was able to be up there and battle a little bit. And actually seemed like he's in a Grand Prix for the first time all year. Um, Was nice after his FP3 incident. Great job by their team to rebuild a car. You know, who knows what is coming for that team uh, next year um, in regards to what they're going to bring for 2022. But I hope they provide anything, any semblance of life. Because Mick Schumacher can do the job if you give him something to work with. And I think the fact that he's learning, because I always say his second year is his better year, he's learning this is brutal, they have a terrible car, and he was finally able to compete a little bit, albeit, you know, different strategies. I think the the pace is there and the ability is there that, you know, if they give him something to work with, then he might be able to do something. But I'll only we'll only really know about that next year. Um, once they bring out the new cars. But credit to Mick, credit to them for not looking like an absolute waste of time for once this year and bringing in, hearkening back to his father with the hard battles that he had with some of these great drivers today. It was cool to see Mick up there uh, in the points for a little while.
0: Yeah, it was good to see. And like you said, if you give Mick Schumacher a decent car, he'll do very well, especially next year, because yeah, he normally does pretty steady in his first season in a new series and then after that he pushes on and yeah, that's what happened in F2, uh, he became champion in his second year there so yeah and also like you mentioned as well, Voldemort he, he was crashed out in the pit lane wasn't his fault somehow you know, you could, you could hate the guy all you want that was not his fault, that was Alpha Romeo's fault and Kim kind Räikköne of just slammed into the side of him and he broke his suspension and he was out of the race so yeah, he wasn't going to do much anyway given how far Max Schumacher finished Max Schumacher Nick Schumacher finished in the end. but yeah so that is the whole grid that is the whole set of drivers just an unbelievable race like we said yeah so much to cover one thing I don't think we've mentioned though is that Bauti Bottas for that start line crash does have a 5 place grid penalty going into Spa if I'm being honest I'm surprised it's not a little more as does Lance Stroll as does Lance Stroll as well deserved yeah Uh fair enough at least they're consistent on this so yeah there we go I, th- I think it could have been more easily for them I'll be honest uh, there we go so yeah I have mentioned uh, that you guys are both part, both part of the podcast uh, Tom I mentioned that you're part of the EF1 podcast uh, what is that and where can people find it
1: so you can find EF1 which is short for Everything F1 we have a website which is everythingf1.com then we have Twitter Instagram Facebook Discord server and a podcast so our Facebook page is at Join EF1. Our Instagram is at Join EF1. Our Twitter is at Join EF1. Then our Facebook group, which is thriving, is the Everything F1 Paddock. We welcome all sorts of comments, questions, interactions. Basically, just be nice. And then the Discord server is the Everything F1 Discord server. You can find a link to that on our website. And also our podcast is the Everything F1 podcast, which goes out every Wednesday or Thursday. And actually yours truly guest hosted it last week as well.
0: Very nice. I haven't listened to that one yet, but yeah, those guys do do a great show. They get some fantastic guests on. Uh, and I've been on as well. It's, it's really, really good podcast to listen to. Um, Phil, I've mentioned you're part of the Grip strip podcast, the GSP, as you like to abbreviate it to what is that? And where can people find it?
2: Yeah. The Gripstrip podcast, uh, you've been on it before. Um, Tom from the Monkey Sea podcast actually uh, came through and uh, did a guest uh, host, co-host uh, deal for us this past week. Talk about all things motorsports, uh, not only in the States here, but also around the world. Cover Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR. As long as it goes fast, we usually talk about it here on the GSP. We can, we're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, Stitcher, tune in. We've gotten past a thousand downloads, or it's been a while. It's been over a year. We're getting there slowly but surely. It's a process. Um, Executive producer, a.k.a. me, is part of the reason why it's probably slower than it needs to be. But, you know, it's a passion project, and it keeps me connected. And it's part of the reason why we've all been able to meet, you know, the... The Grid Talk podcast has been a great um, way to connect with a lot of fans and a lot of people who have the same passion for motorsport, and it's a good thing, and we'll hopefully continue it as we go along as Grid Talk grows and as Tom's show grows and as, you know, for all of us, this is such a great thing because it brings together two things. It brings together a bunch of people who love the sport and also brings together something that we all like formula one is it doesn't matter how good bad or indifferent how stupid things may look or how goofy some of the drivers may be but we all love it and it put, brings us all together so um thanks george as always for having me on and um looking forward to the next one once we get back from uh, the summer break
0: Oh, always welcome, Phil. And yeah, def- definitely check out the GSP. You know, Phil and Sam. Are- Sam? Oh, God, I'm getting
2: people's names wrong.
0: Phil Josh. And- Josh. Yeah, I don't know why I said Sam.
2: At strip <laughs> Pod on Twitter as well. At Philip G. Matthew for me, if you want to find. And at J.P. Huffine for Sam, Josh, Um, if you want to follow <laughs> him and his um Twitch streams when he's on iRacing. Yeah, so uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Thank you, Phil.
0: Oh, yeah. So definitely check out those guys' show. Like like Phil said, I've I've been on, it's so a it's a good laugh. And they obviously cover a lot of series, not just Formula One, but anything that goes fast, like they said, NASCAR, IndyCar, all that good stuff, and the junior series as well, the Formula uh, Formula One feeder series too. So yeah, I've got to mention as well. It has been it, this is an incredible race, let's not get away from that. But Let's also remember that today was a pretty tragic weekend for motor racing as a whole. There was a marshal at Brands Hatch who tragically passed away uh, in an incident uh, involving, I think, it was a sports car race or something like that. The car catapulted over the barrier, and unfortunately, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and has succumbed to his injuries. So, we just want to give our offer our condolences to his all his friends and family. You know, it's uh, what marshals do. It's a job that. A lot of people don't notice, uh, you don't see a lot of the time, but without them, we can't go racing. They make sure that, tra- you know, the track is clear and safe for everybody to race, and we can't thank them enough. Without them, like we said, there would be no racing. So they give us the sport that we love. And I also need to mention as well, Jack Aitken, you may remember him making a cameo appearance for Williams at the, towards the end of last season. He's been racing in uh, the 24 Hours of Spa, and he was involved in a almighty shunt, at, at tr- you know, Chillingly at the same point that Antoine Hubert passed away at three years ago, uh, just at the top of Oroge at Radion. Uh, he was involved in a horrible accident there. He's still in hospital. I think he's got a punctured lung. He's got a, a fracture in his back. Uh, I don't think it's too overly serious. I think he's going to make a full recovery. That's what I've heard. Just want to wish him all the best in his uh, recovery as well. I think the other guy was uh, inevitably involved in that was uh, a, De- Davide Regon yeah that's correct yeah he's in hospital as well his injuries are not as serious he was not he was not as heavily involved but yeah I feel I think both are going to make a full recovery before too long so just want to wish them all the best in that as well we never see like to see nasty accidents like that it's just, yeah like I said chilling it's sends chills down he's fine seeing stuff like that so yeah like I mentioned earlier Ron uh, if you leave us a five star review on iTunes, you get to have a shout out at the start of the show. We, of course, go out live on YouTube now. So you get to see the show before it hits the usual platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, Pocket Cast. You get to see it before all those. Just search for the F1 Grid Talk and all those platforms. You'll be able to find us, follow us, subscribe to us, like us, all, all that good stuff. And you can go check out our back catalogue as well. Over 100 episodes for you to enjoy now, including Ayrton Centre, the Tiregate one special on the 1994 Benetton conspiracy. And of course, our usual previews, qualifying reports and our race reviews too. Uh, And I want to thank my panelists as well for joining me. Thank you very much for joining us, Tom and Phil. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. And yet we'll be back in, I think it's four weeks time to preview the Belgian Grand Prix. We've got a nice break now can all relax collect ourselves calm ourselves down after that amazing race that we've just witnessed yeah we'll see you for that one
2: goodbye